This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia Fisher, or Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. It is already October, and I don't know about you, but um, I, I don't quite, <coughs> excuse me, I don't quite get how everybody, all the costumes are gone. Like, it, it seems like everyone's buying Halloween costumes earlier and earlier in the year. So when we go to buy costumes, it's uh, pretty scarce. So I always had to get more and more creative as our kids get older, of course. Um, they are uh, less likely to go full force right now. They're in that age of um, it's not totally cool, but my guess is that they'll get back into it in the next few years. Um, but it's crazy that Christmas stuff's already out, Halloween stuff's been out, and it's almost like, okay, we're done with that. It hasn't even been Halloween. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I think it's everything's too rushed. We need to slow down a little bit. And one of the ways that you can slow down is you can sit down and read a really good book. And I have an amazing author here. And, you know, I don't mean to brag, but she is a personal friend of mine. Um, And we've known each other for a bit. Uh, And I am super excited that she's able to be on the show today. So Gina L. Maxwell is a New York Times USA Today and number one international bestselling author living in the upper Midwest despite her scathing hatred of snow and cold weather. As a lifelong romance novel addict, she began writing as another way of helping enjoy the happily ever after story she's always loved. Her debut novel in 2012, Seducing Cinderella, hit the bestseller list within the first month of its release and continues to be a favorite with readers a full decade later. When she's not reading, writing, or spending way too much money on planners and office supplies, I get this. She enjoys hanging out with her son and daughter who left the nest snuggling with her fur babies and dreaming of her someday to move somewhere tropical. Her latest book, The Dark King, is the first of the new series. It is out now. You can find Gina at her website, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Amazon, and all of those links to those places are in the write-up of the show. Welcome, Gina. How are you, my dear? Hi, Patricia. I miss you so much. <laughs> oh, I, I know it's been forever since I've seen you. I know. I need to make it down there sometime. Yes. It's, I, I would guess it would be easier um, weather-wise because uh, we're pretty predictable <laughs> about yeah, how our weather's yeah, going to be. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll come to you. So, you don't uh, want to come here. here. Okay, okay, fair. That's fair. But maybe like in this, uh, when it's blueberry picking season, we can go, to, go. I can come up. We could do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you've been writing for a while, and I know that everyone has their story about what the catalyst was to really sit down and write a story. Cause you had been reading mm-hmm. romance novels for a long time. You had loved it. You, you know, you'd done a lot of things. What was the catalyst that made you sit down and write that first book that was published? Um, the catalyst was finishing Gina Showalter's fifth book in her Lords of the Underworld series. Um, the darkest okay. path, I think it is. Um, and, when I turned that last page, I just, I had been so invested in those characters and um, I just was in awe of how someone could make me feel so much for people that not only don't exist, but cannot exist because it's a paranormal romance, right? Um, Sure, sure. And so as I lay in bed contemplating how amazing that was and, and how moved I was, 
I wondered, you know, okay, well, if I was going to write a book, what two characters would I throw together that would, you know, mm-hmm. be perfect for each other? Thing. And I came up with these two characters, and then I was thinking about, okay, well, how do they know each other? What's their backstory? What's their conflict? You know, what can't, why can't they be together? And it just kind of snowballed in my own mind over the, the coming weeks. Um, I would think about these characters as I was doing the dishes and taking care of the kids and, you know, doing all the things. And um, eventually I was like, gosh, I just kind of want to write it down so I don't forget any of it and then, you know, see where it, where the story takes me and then, you know, I'll have a book for myself and like for, I don't know, maybe some, some friends that'll read it. And, um, so that was uh, honestly my ultimate goal was just to write a book for myself and my friends. I'd never ever in my life considered being an author. It just never even occurred to me, um, to, to aspire for something like that. And so I started typing the story and, the more I wrote, the more, of course, I loved it. Um, and then I thought, well, geez, what? maybe I should try to get published. You know, what's the worst that can happen? They yeah. say, no, big deal. I'm in, only in the same, you know, place that I intended to be anyway. So right. I Googled how to uh, write fiction well, and then I eventually <laughs> Googled how to get published, and I just kind of taught myself. So it was yeah. Gina, it was really Walter's books. That was the catalyst. Okay. Well, and you know, and when you started in 2012, that was the year we met, but um, it was also a pretty early, like a lot of indie stuff had started real happening. Um, yep. And there was, I mean, being able to figure out how to navigate your way through the publishing maze was relatively limited online. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of it, it was it happened it, it, blogging blogs were really really big back then right right so yeah it's it's interesting what we can find and then of course um gina and i met through our san antonio romance authors group which made a huge difference too because i think having those people that have a similar um goal uh yeah and it's also good to have someone say okay well you know that that publisher is good but maybe not that one for what you're doing i mean it's it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you need that. Oh, absolutely. I I could not have gotten, um, you know, my first contract without the, the support of, of writer friends. Because even when, um, like I said, I started a blog, you know, like my journey to publishing kind of a thing. Um, so I started all of this in the early 2009. And I found like-minded people, people who were on the same journey, different stages of the journey, you know, and then we would start swapping chapters. And the critique partner mm-hmm. is, I think, an essential of um, of writing and learning how to write and, and getting better. Um, and yeah. I remember, you know, we would meet and even with the San Antonio group, we would meet and we would all you know, read some things and then give each other, you know, constructive criticisms and, and critiques and feedback. And it was just, it's, um, it's priceless, honestly. Yeah, it is. And I think it's it helpful. I mean, I know people say, well, I can pay for an editor. And that's true. You can. Um, yeah. But I also think that having several different opinions of what you're writing, I think is a good thing because different people have different perspectives. 
So absolutely, you know, we've all been in it to where someone's like, that was really, you know, solid. I like this. And someone's like, but what about, you know, like everyone goes, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, it's just like yeah. you need those different views, you know, like different camera views on, on your exactly. stuff with people who care and about that, it as much as you do. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but I found myself learning so much from critiquing other people's chapters. Like, yes. it's because when you're looking at something through a reader's gaze, you know, and you can see something where something could have been done better, then you take that in for your own writing. And so I, mm-hmm. I learned so much critiquing others. Um, so the, the critique partners or the writer groups where, you know, you, you help others as well. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. totally invaluable. Yeah. And, you know, I miss it. You know, with, with COVID, everything, things kind of went by the wayside. And, and I know that people, yeah. you know, I know a lot of it is just exchanging pages, but I think everyone was so overwhelmed. Um, you know, some people really thrived during, the COVID, during COVID because they were home all the time, but others... Yeah like myself, who had kids, a lot of kids at home and, and trying to juggle school, oh. that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so I, hopefully everyone's starting to get back to some sort of new normalcy uh, with it all. Right. And uh, But during that time, during the pandemic, everything, you wrote this new book, The Dark King, correct? Correct. I actually wrote it um, starting the beginning of this year. So I started January 10th writing it, and then I finished it, March 17th, which okay. is all in all nine weeks, which is um, extremely fast for me because I'm a very, very slow writer. But this this story just took off in your head then? Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of had to. It was, it was um, a, a story of opportunity, honestly. Um, publisher who I haven't been with, um, in five years because I started self-publishing. Um, but she came back to me and she said, you know, I have this idea for, um, for a story and I think you have the perfect voice for it. I really would love you, you know, love it if you would write it. And so um, we talked about it and I said, sign me up. So oh, wow. know, she basically said, um, stay in Vegas. And we kind of, that was her, you know, her idea. And, um, I kind of took it from there and yeah, I plotted it very quickly cause it was like with only a, a, I only had a few days because we wanted to crash the title, which means we wanted to, um, publish it within the same year. So, okay. You know, we, the printer, I think at the, towards the end of May and it released September 27th, which typically for print runs, you, you know, you're a year to a year and a half out kind of a thing. So, sure. sure. um, you know, depending, but yeah, we wanted to get it out quickly. Uh, so I had to write it very quickly. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but it was, it did flow for sure. I mean, it was solid in my mind as soon as I had that thing plotted and yeah, it just, it flew. Wow. So tell me about the story. Tell me, and this is the first of at least two books at this point. Yeah. It'll be the first of three brothers. Um, so they'll each get their own happily ever after. Um, so this is, um, it's Faye, but it's like urban fantasy. So it's set in our contemporary Vegas. Um, and okay. the premise is that 400 years ago, the one true queen of fairy, um, because there's the seasonal courts in the land of fairy, 
And then there's also the dark and the light day, um, so the day okay. and the night courts. And the day and the night court uh, royalty kings got into an altercation at, like, the one true queen's um, one of her parties, and that was enough to piss her off to where she banished both courts to the human world forever. She exiled them. So she kind of spits them out um, into the Joshua Tree area, you know, what we know as Joshua mm-hmm. Tree out in the desert. And they are, um, they start by, sorry, that's my cat. He's not happy with the other ones. Um, he, they war for about 100 years, and then they get new kings for each of the courts that are more peace, whatever, so they, you know, have a treaty. And so the day court goes one way. They agree to just, like, you know, stay away from each other kind of a thing. The day court right. goes one way, and what we now know as Phoenix, Arizona, and the night court went in the Mojave Desert, and they built up what we know as Vegas. And it makes perfect okay. sense, right, because the court and the dark fair are all about debauchery and deviance and, you know, the night. And what is Vegas but all of that, you know? Um, right. <laughs> It just makes perfect sense. And he even says, Caden, the, the main character, the hero, he says, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas is one of the most genius um, marketing slogans we ever came up with because yeah. people come here to literally break their own rules. You know, you nothing nothing is off limits in people's minds when they go to Vegas, you know. Um, so... Right. Yeah, he's just, um, so now they've got this, so him and his two brothers uh, basically rule Vegas because they own, like, almost everything in in the city. But then he also is the king of the night court. He's the dark fae king. And so he has basically two empires that he has to run. Well, along with exiling the two courts, the one true queen also placed uh, several curses upon both courts. And one of the curses is that the royal bloodlines of each court, um, if they are mated, um, you know, and married, uh, if they are w- more than a stone's throw away from their mate, uh, they will start to, their bodies start to shut down and they will die. Um, oh, and wow. There's a reason, there's a reason for that. Um, it has to do with the whole thing that instigated everything was infidelity back in the, you know, in the fairy world uh, between the two courts. So um, he meets this woman, this human woman named Bryn, and she he's drawn to her and he doesn't know why. And they have a great night together and they wake up married in Vegas. You know, it's the sweet. <laughs> married in Vegas, you know, and, and she's like, oh, my God, what do we do? And he's like, yeah, I'd like to know the same thing. He thinks she's like drugged him somehow. Bryn is she's from Wisconsin. She's she's got a little bit of me in her, and she is feisty as heck. And uh, she's like, yeah, I I so put Rohypnol in my purse on the off chance that you would hit on me. She's like, you know, you're right. the one that made all the like. Okay, fair point. But um, <laughs> so the, it comes to pass that you know now that they're mated he can't be away from her. So he essentially kidnaps her and keeps her in the manor. And he's like, I can't let you go. And that, but he's, that's, he's never very truthful about why, why he's doing any of this. So it's a kind of a beauty. It's sure. basically a beauty retelling, you know, 
grumpy, grumpy king, you know, in his manner, uh, kidnaps the, the girl who loves to read and cats. And so, you know, and she, <laughs> she any of his crap and she, you know, eventually wins him over and there's a bunch of, you know, kinky stuff in the middle there too. Yeah. So. Sure. You know, because, you know, what else are you going to do when you're because stuck in a I castle? Have. Right. Exactly. <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, so, it's I mean, story. did you, um, did you always want to write really spicy or was that just something that your character's, because you had read Gina Shawalter, and I understand that. And, and so, but I mean, yeah. was it something that you said, yeah, these characters are going to uh, like open door it on the page? Is it, I mean, was that intentional or was that just something that developed as the characters progressed? Uh, no, it's, for me, it's always been intentional. Um, I don't begrudge anyone their heat levels or, you know, even if you prefer closed door to each their own. Right. And thank goodness, all sorts of heat levels for all sorts of readers. Um, but for me right. personally, you know, sex, I mean, sex can be just sex, but when you're intertwining it with a relationship where there's going to be a happy ever, a happily ever after, or at least a happy for now, um, the sex part is going to progress the emotional connection one way or another, mm-hmm. whether for the good or mm-hmm. for me, it's important to show that, um, you know, the emotions, the internal thoughts how the relationship shifts with that. So um, I never gloss over it. And because it's just my personal preference, um, it's also super explicit and spicy. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like you're saying, everybody's heat level is different. And then, of course, you have readers that are writers, and they don't necessarily read, they don't necessarily write saucy, but they like to read saucy. And then you have people who, right so I like to retweet so I mean it's like there's just all of these different sure. uh possibilities out there which is I think amazing uh for yeah. so many readers and writers for sure absolutely yeah so tell me the second book is going to be about one of the brothers and then the third book is the third brother correct correct okay and then when uh is the second and the third book um coming out Second book will be out end of July next year, and I believe, don't quote me on this, um, but I believe book three will be out next fall. I think October, but I don't know. So they should both be out next year. Okay. Are you still writing those, or have you been able to finish those already? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I am. I have written three chapters of the Rebel King, which is the next book, and okay. um, yeah, way behind, way, way, way behind. Okay. So yeah, I will be writing my butt off for the next month. Um, I only have about half of it plotted so far, too. So yeah, okay. who knows what happens? Not even me. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, um, right? Yeah. So yeah. Well, I mean, and sometimes it's just, um, you know, some of those some of those stories just like, explode in your brain, and then yeah. other times it's just a struggle. It's like you're trying to pull teeth to get them, the characters to talk to you. Of course, they talk to yeah. you at you know at two o'clock in the morning, which is not helpful. 
Um, not helped. So, or like when yeah, you are yeah. in the car, write anything down, and yeah. <laughs> so I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, you started a series a few years ago, the Lost Boys series, which yeah, um, I absolutely yes. So you wrote about Peter Pan and Wendy, and then you wrote about John and Hook. Um, yeah. What you know? What else is coming out of that series? Um, definitely Tink's book. It's going to be Tink and Michael. Um, mm-hmm. I had waited to write that book this year, but then I got this contract for the Deviant Kings, which has taken precedence. So I'm hoping that I will be able to write them next year. Um, okay. Because everyone has been waiting. Because Hook and um, the first two books released both in 2019, so it's been a hot minute since. I've continued that series, so everyone's been waiting for a while. But um, yeah, yeah, I definitely one, and I originally did plan on writing um, a story for each of the the Lost Boys and everything. So I had ten books planned for that series. Um, oh wow! I don't know if we're going to do that. It all depends on any trad contracts that I get from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I would love to write, you know, write one for all of them. I think, you know, of of anyone, uh, my little orphan boys, all grown up, deserve, you know, happily happily ever after. So we'll see. But I do love that right. series. At books, um, they're so different and and from each other. But I just I I've got a real passion for that series. Yeah, it's definitely a different take. I mean, and, and if anybody hasn't read it, Pan was the first one, and then Hook. Yeah. Um, and then it, it's very interesting. It's set in an orphanage, and there's some, sadly, some very dark stuff going on for the people who run it. Yeah. Um, it really broke my heart in a lot of ways because, you know, we, we adopted some children from foster care, and they were never yeah. in a group home. But um, I know there's a lot of children that are, and I just sit there and I think, I hope there's more people that are good for these yeah. children than awful. I, uh, but yeah. I, ha- I hate that there's any awful, you know? I know. Um, what, how hard is it was... to write some of those scenes? Because they're, they're really, yeah. I mean, my heart hurts yeah. when I'm reading it. So how hard was it to write it? It was difficult. Um, I've only ever cried once while writing, and it was writing, I think it was chapter 22 of um, Hook's book. Um, and mm-hmm. just a, a quick side note, I did rebrand those books. So now the titles, um, Pan's book is Lost and Found, and then okay. Hook's book is Lost in Darkness. Um, I decided to go with the, the lost words for the titles. But, um, yeah, Hook's, Hooks especially is, is pretty dark and tragic, um, you know, when I was, what I, the reason this, that I chose an orphanage is because I, this is not a fantastical world. It's set in a, mm-hmm. a contemporary modern world. So, you know, where would a, a bunch of boys with no parents be? Well, they would be in an orphanage, right. you know. Um, and then I just, I don't know, it just kind of spoke to me that they they didn't grow up in the greatest of environments and um, then what, how does that affect them? How does that 
shape who they are. Um, and it, it affected each of them differently. Um, and right. Tinkerbell is also, so it's all the boys, it's all the, it's Peter, the lost boys, six lost boys, Tinkerbell and, um, Hook and Starkey and Smee. So three of the pirates and they're mm-hmm. all, they all grow up like this, but, um, yeah, it just, it was hard. It was hard in some of those because I write it in dual timelines. So you right. see that some of those scenes and um, think, I think it speaks to how even if we don't have something that is exactly like that in our past, you know, we all have some, some moments or traumas that we, that we come from and how do we, how does that shape us and how do, how do we move on from there? And what is that path that, 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 you know, kind of um, situation take us on to where we go to become our better selves and rise above that. Right. So I, I like, think it's I also, like, yeah, I think it's also beautiful that you have, you know, you have Wendy and Michael and John and, and, you know, they're the very idealistic children that they are in the, original series um yep. but it's it's that reflection that the kids who are in the orphanage you know peter and hook and, and all of them they peter and john and wendy see the the positive of yeah. these kids who've had nothing but negative and it's it's heartbreaking to watch and beautiful to watch that john and michael and wendy so believe in the good of them yeah. Um, that they're willing to risk everything just to get yeah. them to see it, even if they don't end up together. Um, yeah. And that, that's love. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, how, how else could you write that? You know? Yeah. Yep. I, I do. It's, it's so, it's such a unique um, series and um, yeah, there's so much to it. There's so many layers. There's so much depth to that, to those stories. Mm-hmm. And so I, want to be able to give the the other ones their stories too so that's definitely on my list yay <laughs> I'm, <laughs> you know. I'm super excited about that <laughs> you can tell yeah. um and it's, it's funny yeah <laughs> well and, and you know and I keep thinking of um oh what's the actor's name from once upon a time is hook and um uh oh, yeah. Killian yeah that's what I keep thinking of when I'm reading, when I've read it. And I'm like, wow, that would be really, um, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it just, it's, a. Uh, I really, I love it. So, you know, I'll be watching out for that next one. Um, Yay. so you've got the traditional contract going and then you've with, um, the dark King series, and then you've got your indies, which is like, you're talking about the, uh, lost boys. Mm-hmm. What, what other things do you have on your plate that you're trying to juggle right now, uh, writing-wise? Um, I do want to get out. So I got back. I There's a romantic comedy um, book that I had written years ago uh, called Tempting Her Best Friend. And I got the rights mm-hmm. back to that, I think, year, um, or possibly the year before. And so I rebranded it and recovered it, retitled it. So now it's called Betting on Her Best Friend. Um, and okay. it's a friend's book. And so I also have, um, a book that I wrote based on my little sister's real life, 
um, love story, and I originally called it Ask Me Again, but because it's also a friends to lovers story, I thought, well, hey, this could be kind of a line type of thing, so I rebranded, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm planning on rebranding that one um, as well, and everyone has always wanted, from tempting your best friend slash betting on her best friend, um, there's twins in there. So the hero has a twin sister, Maddie, and they've, everyone's always wanted Maddie's story, but I never wrote it. So I figure, mm-hmm. okay, well, now I'll tell Maddie's story, make that book too, and then I'll mm-hmm. um, tell on um, my sister's story, Ask Me Again, and I will, I'm retitling that one to be um, Friend Zone Sling, and that will be book okay. three. So it's all friends to lovers stories. Um, so I just need to write that second book, um, Maddie's story. I, I have started it. I've got a few chapters in it already. Um, so I just need to finish that one and then I'll have a, a line of friends to friends, to lovers stories of at least three books. So, um, I definitely want to get that out. And I also have, um, years ago, there was an app. I don't even know if it's still out. It, it might still be out. It's an app called um, Hooked. And it was one of the first apps that were out there where it was like serialized reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not in the style of an actual book. It was in the style of text messages. Um, so okay. it was almost like you picked up your friend's phone and you opened up their text messages app and you were like reading through their conversation with someone else. Um, oh, so okay. everything was, yeah, everything was written in text messages with like sparse lines of narrative in between. Um, and so I had written two very sexy um, stories called uh, Sex Operator and sex for fun or something like that in these formats. And each of them are about 10,000 words each. Um, and I have the rights back to those. And those were huge hits on the app and things of that nature. So I would like to add some – I would like to flesh out the narrative part of it and then publish those um, and add those onto my steamy shots line, which are – um, erotic novellas, you know, mm-hmm. for when you just need a little bit of steam and then get on with your life kind of a thing. So, right. That's what right. I've got. Like a lunchtime read. Yeah. Yep. You can finish them probably in about 30 minutes or so. Um, they're only like teen, well, anywhere from 10 to 20,000 words, but depending on the story, right. but yeah, the, my motto yeah. for the line is get in, get off, get on with your life. Nice, because there you are. They're hot. (laughs) Is it hard to write shorter? Because I know that you know you write lengthy. Is it hard to write shorter? Oh my gosh, it's the worst, Patricia. It's the absolute worst. I just Mm -hmm. I'm very verbose in life and in also because I write how I how I speak how I would speak. You know what I mean? And I just and I see things. I see the stories as like a movie in my head. And because I want to make sure that the reader sees exactly what I see, sometimes I get a little too descriptive. And um, I just, it's so hard to write short for me. so, so hard. Succinct is not mm-hmm. my talent, not my wheelhouse. Yeah. So 
do have a harder yeah. time. I've got a very tightly plot, um, and my shorter ones are very formulaic. I've got, you know, boy meets girl, <laughs> boy tempts girl, you know, like. <laughs> right. Boy has girl tempts boy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and so for, for non-writers, it's, it, when you have a short story like that, you basically have time to only talk about two people. There's, like, hardly any oh, yeah. um, other characters involved. There's just really no room. Nope. Um, it's no, it's like not. trying to cram, um, you know, you have a, a smart car, which has two seats, or you have a van. Well, the van's a long book, and the smart car is yeah. short. So, yeah. Right. So, and I'm, but you still have to I'm pack the same amount place. of crap in each, in each place. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so true. And it helps if they all each other, because then you don't have to yeah. do the whole you know, if they've already got some history together, it's way easier. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But, but then again, you're, you're like, well, you don't want everyone to have history. You want to have some, um, right. you know, newness, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's mixing it all up for sure um, and seeing how it fits. Have you, what, is, mm-hmm. what character have your readers most responded to? So I would have to say there's two. Um, Reed Andrews from Seducing Cinderella mm-hmm. um, is, I think, probably now because he's been around for 10 years, he has a bit of an unfair advantage, but um, but he's definitely a fan favorite. Um, there's just something about his character that people just absolutely love. Um, and I, I assure you, mm-hmm. To, um, partially why it hit the list within a month. I, it just everybody loved Reed Andrews. Couldn't stop talking about Reed Andrews. Um, who, funny enough, I actually modeled personality and physical appearance after um, the model Parker Hurley, who was on the right. original covers. Um, and then the next one would be Hook's character, Captain James Hook. Okay. He's um, it's hard not to love him. You know, it's hard not to love a man who thinks he's the villain and wants everyone else to think he's the villain when really he's the hero of the, the, the whole thing. Um, he's the only yeah. character I've ever dedicated a book to. And um, I think he probably always will be the only one. He just, he's just something special. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's, I hate to use the word wonderfully tortured, but I mean, he's tortured on so many levels. Yeah, um, but not obviously bad things have happened. It's not like he purposely, you know, vindictively tortured him. It's no. just that he needed it needed to be complicated. And I didn't even know that that was going to be his story until I was writing it. Um, until I was writing Pan, um, the mm-hmm. first book, Lost, um, and his character said something, and I thought, oh no. Oh, you poor thing! I know mm-hmm. what happened to mm-hmm. you, and yeah. that's you know he didn't intentionally set out. He, he just something that he said, and it was the way he said it. And I thought, oh dang, this is going to be rough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so isn't it amazing when characters do that? I mean, I know people. Yeah. I, I know there's been people are like, are you okay? Characters talk to you. It's like, no, really. It's it's it, it, it 
yeah. they will do that. They will just start going. Yep. And um, it's bizarre. But, I mean, it, it, obviously to someone who doesn't do this, but, I mean, still, it's um, it's it's very interesting. I, I'm going back and, and re um, branding and rewriting some of my Tuscany books. And I've gone back and uh, some of the characters, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, they would say this. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. 10 years ago, you're a different writer. You and I both are. So when you go back, you can kind of flush those conversations out a little bit more. But like you, I'm like, this is a really long book. Um, but a lot of that is dialogue. You know, it's yeah. like boom, 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 boom. So it makes it look like it's it's not a thousand pages, but I mean, it feels like that. And you're like, should this right. be shorter? But then it's really just because of this, the dialogue. Yep. You know, so yeah, it's a, uh, but it's fun. It's fun to go back and explore those characters. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah there's been times where I've re- reread um, Seduce and Cinderella and I'm like, oh, well, why didn't he say this? You know? And then, so I'm like, no, yeah. no stop it. Stop, stop. Yeah. You know, right. inventing the wheel. Just let it go. Would you ever do, like, 10 years later with any of your characters? Like, just a short novella or something to let your readers oh, know how they're doing? Yeah. What I did with Seducing Cinderella, when I got the rights back to it and um, recovered it, and um, I added, there had been a couple of scenes that I had written, like, as bonus scenes um, years yeah. ago. And so I added those into the book, and then the thing that I got hit on so much for that book when it was originally published was there was no epilogue. Um, uh, I was a paranormal romance reader at the time. Um, and paranormal romances back then, for whatever reason, just it wasn't, epilogues weren't a thing. Like you just ended it with the last chapter and then, you, you know, you knew that they were happy and then you moved on to the next one in the series kind of thing. So, I didn't know the power of the epilogue in category romance until mm-hmm. I mistakenly got right one. And everyone's like, well, what happens six months from now, from a year from now? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like still happy. They're, I just, I, I wrote it, but they're happy. But I had no idea. So I wrote everyone, um, I wrote uh, an epilogue that was eight years into the future. So it shows them okay. um, with their little kids and yeah, it's, it was, and it was fun to revisit them, you know? So yeah, I would definitely yeah. do that. In fact, I have to actually write, <laughs> yeah. I have to write, um, right. Go ahead. I have to write a bonus scene that's going in. So the dark King is going into the bookish box and I huh. have to write, uh, a, an exclusive scene that's going to go into that, that version. Um, and now I just remembered that for the first time and it's due on the 20th. So I will be working on that today. <laughs> Sweet. So this this interview has definitely been positive. <laughs> yeah, on many levels, but none so far as that one. Thank you. <laughs> so you have a week. We'll all be we'll all be cheering for you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think that um, it's funny because we it's kind of like um, Marvel movies. You know, it's like where are the end credits? Yes. Yeah. Because it's. Um, my, our, if we've watched older movies with our kids, like I say, you know, more than 15 years, um, the kids are like, okay, what yeah. happens next? And like, that's it. It's over. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, what do you, yeah. Marvel's just really spoiled us. <laughs> All of these yeah, credit scenes. absolutely. <laughs> what do you mean there's no end credit scene? 
like, what do you mean to show it? What? what? <laughs> like, no, you have to say it. <laughs> but I, I was laughing because, you know, when they were doing that whole Avengers arc, you know, with everything. And I think we were sitting for Captain, Captain Marvel or I don't know which one, but people are um, – People are leaving right at the beginning of the credits, and we're all looking around like, has nobody yeah, learned anything no. at this point? I know. Like, you yeah. stay. Yeah. Yep. Austin, I do the same thing. I see all the movies with my son, Austin, who's uh, 21 now. And, yeah, we do the same thing. We, we're looking at him like, amateurs, you know? Like, <laughs> do they not know how this works? We're sitting here. I kind yeah, of then you're going to be confused with, when you go to the next one. Exactly. I kind of did that now that I thought it with um, the Dark King. The epilogue is told from Tiernan's point of view, and he's the he's the second book hero. Um, And it's the most diabolical ending I've ever written because it's not a cliffhanger. I don't write cliffhangers where it's you know from one book to the next um, with the same couple. However, it is kind of a cliffhanger. So yeah. in a different way. And I knew when I read it or when I wrote it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do this, and this is so evil, and everyone's going to hate me. And, yep, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. I, it's they funny do. because I've seen so many people complain, like, on different series. Um, like, mm-hmm. well, they shouldn't leave it as a cliffhanger. It's like, but it's a series. Like, that's right. what happens. It's supposed to happen. It's like, it's, I don't understand why this is confusing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, people get upset. But yeah, whatever. So there are certain. I don't know. Um, if I'm okay with cliffhangers, but I will wait until the whole series is out because I can't. I can't take that. Like, <laughs> like nope. I need. That's why I binge shows. Like now, even like when they slow release these shows once a week, like you know, back in the dark yeah. ages, I'm like, what is this right. crap? Wait until the whole thing is out so I can binge it. Um, but yeah, it's just. <laughs> What it does is it just leads my, – my epilogue for um, The Dark King is basically the intro that leads you into book two. But, of course, book two isn't mm-hmm. out yet, so everyone's like, what? So, yeah, but it's, it's pretty <laughs> – it's a pretty cool ending. <laughs> well, it's one of those, I don't ones, want to you know, it. feather in your cap. Yeah? <laughs> Mix things up a little bit. So that's good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being on today. I so appreciate you. Oh, thanks, Patricia, for having me. It's always lovely talking with you. Absolutely. Hopefully, we will see each other here soon. I would love that. Um, you always yeah. have a place to stay, of course, when you're down thank this way. Um, yeah, and then I will try and make it up there in a summertime or something. Well, uh, yeah, you show me, show me that area of the world that I've never been to. So. Um, yeah, my sister-in-law pretty. went to college in Wisconsin and, um, oh, cool. so she's from Chicago. Yeah. So it's, but she, it, I never realized it. And it's, it's just one of those perspective things because we had some neighbors years ago that were talking about having to go to a funeral and I was like, Oh, well, you know, if somebody had passed away and they were going to go to a funeral in Michigan. And I said, oh, well, are you leaving? Do you need to watch your dogs or whatever, water your plants or whatever? She goes, oh, no, we're not going until this. And I was like, okay. And they said, because they can't dig in the ground. It was like February. And I was just like, oh, holy crap. You just <laughs> you can't 
You can't do that. I mean, just a different way of life, you know? Uh, Yeah. Just over, even just regionally. So, yep. It's good to travel. It's good to get out and run around. So, yeah. It is. Yeah, but I definitely suggest (laughs) from May-ish, June-ish to September. Yeah. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I will take it. Yeah. So, well, everybody, for everybody who's been listening, I've been talking to Gina L. Maxwell. Her latest book, The Dark King, is out now. I found my copy at Target, so it might be there if you go look. Um, you can also find Gina at her website, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Amazon. All of the links are in the write-up of the show. Please come back and talk to us about your next book when it comes out. Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. Yay! This has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. Everybody, keep on reading. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.